The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. Please follow along with me, either in the Bibles around your chairs or on the screen behind me. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head of, to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This has been the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Uh, this, this Sunday, we're taking a break from our series in Romans. Uh, we do this every year. We take one or more weeks to just to, to, to land and to remember one of our values as a church. And, and it's a, such an important enough value that we feel that we need to, it's just one week, but we need to take out at least one week and talk about this. And we're going to be talking about our community groups as well. And that is that as a church, a deep, deep value of us is that we want to be a multicultural, multigenerational church. And we want to be a multicultural, multigenerational church, not just because it was some idea that we were sitting around saying, hey, what would be a cool thing to, to be about? And hey, this is a cool, like, trendy thing. Let us be a multicultural, multigenerational church. It's because God's church has always been, and it's always been a key part of God's church, that his church is a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multi-everything church. 
It's been a keystone, a cornerstone of God's plan for his family. Because that's what the church is. Anytime you hear the word church, you should also hear family. It's God's family. I said that in the prayer. But you should hear that ringing in your ears. And from, from the beginning of human history, the goal of God's that he's had for his family is that it would be from every tribe, nation, language, and tongue. In the very beginning, he told Abraham, I'm going to bless many nations, all the nations of the world through you. Throughout the Old Testament, you can read the Psalms especially, it says how how he has the blessing for the nations through the people of God. He's going to draw the nations into the kingdom of God. Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He's talking about all the world, all the peoples of the world. When you hear the world peoples, it has to do with every tribe, language, and tongue. It's a, people, it's a group of people who share a, a culture and a language and a history somewhat together. He sent, them to, he sent his believers as disciples, as missionaries. He sends, sends us into all the peoples of the world that they may be blessed and may be brought into his kingdom. We see when God's spirit is poured out, when the church is birthed on the day of Pentecost, uh, says that there were people there gathered. It was Jews, but they were gathered there from all the different nations of the world and they spoke. The disciples, as the Spirit of God was poured out upon them, they spoke in other languages to the people that were there. And we see, if we fast forward all the way to the end and the end of Revelation, we see the church, the family of God gathered and before the throne of God. It says that even there in heaven, there are every nation, tribe, language, and tongue. Have you thought about that? Like, I don't know how that's going to work, but this is saying like before the throne of God in heaven that somehow we know, we, I don't know if we still look the same way that we do, we still speak in the same languages that we do, but it says that, we, that they are represented are every tr- nation, tribe, language, and tongue. It's been a part of God's plan from the very beginning that his family, that his church would reflect a wide variety, the, the whole variety, the whole gamut of the different types of people that there are. It's not just languages and ethnicities, but it also has to do with different viewpoints and backgrounds. Like I said, my neighbors are all from New Jersey and New York, and again, welcome guys. And you know, so like, so beside me, it's uh, they, is a, a guy, they lived in Queens and he worked on this subway in New York. And when we have Long Island and then we have New Jersey and then we have Jersey and then we have, Upstate New York and New York is all the way down. That we had a, a a a street. Our street had a Christmas like party. We went out to dinner and had a Christmas party. And Meg and I were the only Southerners that were at a table. It was like it was like we had like gone to New York to have or Jersey to have dinner, and it was great. Like to see them. But have you ever noticed like sat down with some people who are from a different place than you are, and it is like. Like, you are very different. Or maybe you're one of the people that came here and you're talking, like, you're trying to talk to me and you're like, I can't understand what you're saying. Like, I don't understand why you get caught up about barbecue is not like throwing burgers on a grill, which is not barbecue, by the way. Don't say we're having a barbecue and invite me over and then you're, I love burgers and don't end up be burgers on the grill because that's not barbecue. Barbecue is something totally different, but we can talk about that afterwards. We can do a whole other sermon series on that, Christian. There's all kinds of differences that divide us as people, right? And God has so designed his family, so designed his church that we should be from all of those. Hey guys, New Jersey is represented in the kingdom of God, believe it or not. Absolutely. We are all represented. But here's the thing that we're looking at in the passage this morning. 
what we need to really ask about that, if, if most of us, maybe we're, maybe we're not all on the same page with that, but I, I just ran really quick through the biblical history. The question is, why does it matter and how does it work out in practicality? Why does it matter that we're from every nation, tribe, language, and tongue, that we're from different generations and backgrounds and viewpoints? And then how does it work out whenever we practically sit down together and we try to work this thing out together? What we see in the church in Corinth is that uh, Corinth was a very multi-ethnic, it was a, it was a, it was a very multicultural city. It was a very mixed place. And whenever the, the gospel came there, it was amazing. It drew people from all the different backgrounds that were represented in Corinth. There were different generations, there were different uh, ethnicities, there were different uh, social status. And, and what happens is that as they came together, it didn't always mesh together. Like it wasn't all we, we come together and we're all just singing kumbaya, right? Because I don't, I don't know, if you've been a Christian for very long, then you've been in enough groups of Christians where you realize there are some Christians I just don't like and there are some Christians that I just don't understand. There are some Christians, we can say this in church, right? There are some churches that I don't understand why you talk the way that you do, why you value the things that you do, why you vote the way that you do. I just said that in church. We don't understand each other and it gets messy. And one of the big reasons that Paul wrote the whole letter of 1 Corinthians was to the Corinthians church to help them work through these differences they had going on. It was tearing the, it was a very dynamic, active church. They loved the Lord. There's a lot of good stuff going on, but yet there was also a lot of division going on. And so he writes to them to say, hey, I know this is messy, but here's why it's important, and here's how it works out. So let's look at the passage, if you will. We're just gonna kind of run through it today together. I didn't start my timer yet. That was my oversight. Um, so I'm starting it fresh right now, just to let you guys know. Uh, Paul writes, he's been talking about some uh, the spiritual gifts, and before that, he's been talking about some things that were dividing the church. Verse 12. For just as the body is one, he's talking about just the normal, a human body, is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So first of all, he's laying out for us. He's saying, here's how you can understand the church. This is what the church is like. It's like a human body. And a human body has many different parts, but it is not in its nature a lot of different parts. In its nature, it's a unified whole. So here's what I mean by that. Whenever I stepped up here, the dashing, good-looking preacher that I am, I don't mean that. But as I stood up here, like you guys didn't, didn't see me walk up and say, oh, look, there's two arms and two legs and a weird head, a, large, a weirdly large head walking up in front of us. You said, no, that's Randy, who has a weirdly large head, and he's standing in front of us. A body is inherently a whole, but yet it's made up of a lot of different parts. And he says, that's what the church is like. 
that the church is like that. The family of God is like that. What, he, what he's starting out with saying is that he's saying that we're not just a lot of different people that happen to come to one gathering from different backgrounds and places. He says that if we are believers in Christ, we are part of God's family, we are part of the church, and we are inherently one unified whole, and we happen to have lots of different parts and members. What he's saying is that we as Christians are deeply interconnected with each other because we're deeply connected to Christ. It, here's the thing, and there's no, there's no one way without the other. If you are a Christian, you have, been, you have identified yourself with Christ. You said, he is my Lord, he is my King, he is my Savior. I am saved by his work alone on the cross. I'll be raised again by his life. And what he says to do, I will do. Where he says to go, I will go. That's who I identify with deeper than even my nationality or anything else about me. That is who I am deeply. But you know what comes along with that? The rest of his family. Uh, when, when I married Megan, and I'm not gonna make any editorial comments at this point, or when Megan married me, and when Megan married me, we were suddenly became connected to each other's families whether we liked it or not. And that's not always easy and it's not always fun. And they're not all people that I would choose to be connected to nor would they choose to be connected to me. But because I'm committed to Megan and she's committed to me, the whole thing comes together in one package deal. And whenever you come to Christ, there's no way to come to him without his body. And here's also what that interconnectedness means. It means I don't really get to choose to be a part of it or not, and I don't get to really get to choose what other parts of the body I get to be connected to. We are all one. That includes people in this room that you don't see eye to eye with, that you don't naturally connect with. It means other churches and other people who believe maybe a lot different or slightly different than we do. People who worship differently, slightly, or a lot differently than we do. Churches who actually clap. Which by the way, just an editorial comment, you guys are free to clap. You guys are free to sing louder. Whether you have rhythm or not, you're free to sway back and forward. So, so should you choose. If you don't, that's fine as well. But here's the thing. We don't get to choose. We're already a part of those. All those people. Churches that have rhythm and churches that, that dance and churches that preach shorter sermons and longer sermons and churches that gather under trees in Africa and churches that are sitting beside the shore in Puerto Rico. We're all together and we don't get to choose whether we are or are not. Just like a body, my hand doesn't get to choose whether it's gonna be a part or not. We're all a part. We are deeply interconnected. And then he tells us in verse 13 why we are connected together. He says, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that 
if you become a believer in Christ, then something has happened to you. It's not just something that you believe. It's not just checking a box on a card or walking forward and joining a church. When you become a believer in Christ, you are baptized in the Spirit of God. God's Holy Spirit is poured out upon you. And it says that we drink from the same Spirit as well. So what it's saying is that we are filled with the Spirit and we are baptized. He is is on us and he is within us. And that is the distinguishing mark of Christians, by the way. It's not just what we believe, because we're told that even the devil and his, his demons believe. But it says that we as Christians, by his spirit dwelling in us and among us, that is the distinguishing factor, the distinguishing mark of us as believers. And he says that that filling of the spirit as believers, that common experience of the spirit is what brings us into the body because we all share that one experience. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been on a, on a foreign mission trip before. Maybe you've just been overseas and ran into a Christian. I, uh, I've been on a couple of them, and uh, there's hard to picture a place. If you've, if you've been to India, you know, but it's hard to picture a place more different in the United States than India for me. I mean, it is just, it's, it's on the other side of the world, and it is. It is like, it's like upside down over there. It's very, very different. But the thing that was so amazing to me over and over again is whenever I would hang out with other believers when we could hardly speak any of the same language. And yet we found a commonality between us that went way deeper than our common background. They could not relate to what my life is like every day here, and I couldn't relate to what their life was like every day there. And yet somehow there was a commonality that ran deeper. Why? Because we had shared the same experience of God's spirit being poured out upon us and within us pulling us into, baptizing us into the body of Christ. That is the common experience that changes our entire orientation as human beings. That's what it means to become a believer, by the way. It's not something that you add to your life. It changes radically at the very core of who you are, your orientation to God, to yourself, and to other people around you. It radically changes that whole orientation. And it's that power of the Holy Spirit of God that is within us and is poured out upon us that gives us the energy and the motivation to push into other people who are not like us. Otherwise, why would we want to? Because I'll be 100% honest with you guys. I would much rather hang out with people who, under, who like laugh at the same jokes as I do and pull for the same teams that I do and uh, read the same kinds of things and vote the same kind of way and have the same kind of background or look like outlook on life as I do. It's much, much more comfortable. Why in the world would I ever want to be around people who are not like that? The only way from the really gut of our being to want to is that we are baptized from, into one spirit and we're made to drink from one spirit. And all of a sudden we feel as we are around other believers, we feel two things. We feel a need for other believers and we feel a joy when we're around them. Have you experienced that? Ever been to maybe a small group meeting or a conversation with somebody or even church and you have conversations and and you, you realize, like, I don't want to go to community group tonight. But you go and you grit your teeth and you fight with your wife on the way there. And you, maybe that's just me. And you walk inside and you, you feel all frustrated. And maybe you're 
faking the funk or maybe you're just 100% honest and say, guys, we are angry with each other and we don't want to be here tonight. You better be glad we're here. And then somewhere along the way, and you don't even know what happened, it's just conversations with a believer. Somebody says something, somebody, you guys pray together, you're sharing about the word and all of a sudden something changes inside you. You feel this pull to need to be around. You know what that is? The Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which is a, an author, a German author back in the, the mid-1900s, early 1900s, uh, mid and early, about around World War II-ish, uh, he said that we need other believers because we need Christ. That's why we need other believers. Here's what that means. That means I need the Christ that is in you and the Christ that is in you and you need the Christ that is in me and that's what draws us to each other. We're drawn to each other because of Christ and only because of and in Christ. Because there's nothing else that would unify us the same way. There's no reason I should sit in a, in a, in a tiny house in India with other, other Christians who, have, who can't speak the language and don't have a common experience and want to be there and be buoyed by my time there except because of that. The Holy Spirit of God that is poured out on us and is within us changes our entire orientation and gives us the desire and the energy or the power to push to each other. And why? Because we need Christ in each other that's revealed to each other in the body. Look at verse 14. Four. So he's saying, so he's already said, the body is one and yet has many members. And he said it's because we were, been, the spirit of God has been poured out upon us as believers. It has radically reoriented us. Then he says, for the body, for the body does not consist of one member, but many. He's talking about the, he's going to get into the role of the body here, the role in the different parts of the body. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body, right? I think we're all on board with that. That the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. What he's owning here as he's getting into this is he's saying, hey, when you get people together who are different, there are going to be problems. There's going to be challenges. Because the ear looks at the eye and says, I don't see things, no pun intended, the same way that you do. I don't value things the same way that you do. I don't understand why you think what you're doing is the most important thing. You frustrate me. You annoy me. I hate it when you talk about politics. I don't understand why you make that noise every time you pray. Like I don't, I'm trying to think about things that have annoyed me in the past in different groups that I've been in. When you get them together, there's going to be challenges. So let's own it, just like Paul does with the Corinthians. 
there's going to be parts where one part doesn't understand the other part and the other part doesn't understand the other part. But here's what he's saying. He's saying, first of all, he's saying that the diversity within the unity of the body of Christ brings greater functionality. Let me say that again. because The diversity within the unity of the body of Christ brings greater functionality. Here's what that means. That means if everybody is like me, we're going to have a lot of people who like to talk and nobody that's actually really good at singing. I'm a very passionate singer. Jeremy, I'm a very passionate singer. I'm always available anytime you need a passionate singer, but I'm not very particularly good at it. I'm not great at counseling. I'm good at advice. I think I'm good at advice. I'm not great at counseling. We took the, uh, even though my title is lead pastor, like we took like a gifting assessment, and me and the elders and some of the other leaders, and. I scored, I almost hit the basement on pastoring. Like I love people, but it's just like, and that's why you guys have Dale and Jonathan because they love you guys. I love you guys too, but they're, they're really good about like following up with you and knowing what's going on in your life. And I try, it's real, I try really hard, but I'm never really great at that. Why? Because it's not my gifting. I need the other parts. The diversity within the unity is there so we would have greater functionality. The body, the eye needs the hand, needs the leg, needs the foot, working together in unison to actually get things done. And, and you know what that means? That means that God, he tells us here, that God designed the body that way. He designed the body just as it is. Verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. You know what he says? He's saying that he chose to have diversity within the body. It was his plan from the beginning. And that's a diversity in generation, in outlook. That's a difference in giftings and abilities. That's a difference in ethnicity and culture and background and perspective because all of those play into who each of us are in unique ways. And we, he designed the body just as it is so that each part would supply. You know what that means for you? That means God has arranged you just as you are right where you are in his body. That means just as the eye and the foot and the hand have a very particular purpose to play and the body suffers if they do not play that role, the body, the body of Christ suffers if you do not play your role and the body of Christ suffers if you try to play your role independently of the rest of the body. A hand is grotesque whenever it's separated from the body. And so is a believer separated from the church. There's no biblical concept for it. And you can get very little done. But together, inside the challenges of not understanding each other, but yet each of us operating in our background and our gifts and our talents in the way that God has made us to in the very place that he has placed us, something amazing happens. You can almost say magical because it is a beautiful spiritual work of God when the body is diversified 
and yet unified. And each member, each part is playing their role. I don't know why I keep doing this. This is the member playing its role here. That means God has designed it that way and God has arranged each member of the body, you, exactly where you are, exactly the way he's made you, exactly in the place that he has made you. And you, each of us here, you have a particular function or a role inside the body. Now, now here's, here's the thing that in, is included with that. Is, and we'll, we'll get there in a second, that sometimes there, it's hard to, to look over at another part and figure out why they're doing their thing. But here's the thing I want you to hear, I want you to understand, that there's no part that has been brought into the body of Christ that is a secondary part. There's no person, no member of the body of Christ that is a secondary member of the body of Christ. Some parts may be more visible, some parts may be more vocal, but they are no more important. And if you fulfill the role that God has given you, where he has placed you, here's what I wanna give you a promise of. You will find joy in that place because you'll discover exactly what God has made you to be doing and you'll see how you benefit the rest of the body and you glorify your savior whenever you operate in that role. But also he's saying that we need each other's role in order to function healthily. You get that? Like, I need you doing what you should do, and I need me doing what I should do. I need you and your unique perspective, and you need me and my unique perspective. We need the different generations and cultures that God has made represented here so that it can benefit all of us together. And when I cut myself off from other parts of the body who are different from me because I don't understand them or they scare me or they frustrate me or I can't figure out how to have a relationship with them, whenever, I, whenever that happens, whenever I'm surrounded by people who just look and sound and act like me and we laugh at the same jokes and watch the same shows and always can like know what each other's talking about whenever we're there, we are actually suffering, we're suffocating as part of the body and the rest of the body is as well. We need each other's perspectives. Lonnie uh, gave me this, he said that diversity exists because my understanding and experience of the kingdom of God is deficient without those with whom I differ. I suffer whenever I'm never around people with, the, with whom I differ. We're not, not around people of a different generation, a different background, a different color, a different culture, a different outlook. If I'm never around anybody that, that hates vinegar barbecue, then I'm gonna be deficient. It takes all of us together. I suffer and you suffer. We all suffer whenever we're only around people who I'm not fulfilling the role that God gave me and you're not fulfilling the role that God gave you and the body of Christ is not gonna have a complete picture. You're not gonna have a complete picture of the body of Christ. Let's look at some further challenges to the body. In verse 21, Paul says, the, the eye can't say to the hand, cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. So, so this is a whole different level here. So it's, it's not just saying that uh, 
the, the, the eye says, hey, I'd like to be apart from you. But he's saying here, if the eye says to the hand, I don't need you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. They can't say that. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. He's talking about like our inner organs at this point. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, he's talking about the, uh, our sexual organs here, we bestow the greater honor. We're going to protect those and cover those. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. Hear this. Hear this phrasing again. But God has so composed the body. God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. See, the uh, Corinthian church, they were dealing with this issue where those who are wealthy, those who had means, kind of were like doing their own thing apart from those who were in the church who didn't. Those who were weak and those who were poor, they would, the rich would gather together and they would have a sumptuous meal together and the poor would kind of be left on the outside. There was this all kinds of divisions. There were also divisions inside the Corinthian church where they said, oh no, uh, I, I follow Apollo's podcast. And he's like, no, I follow Paul's podcast and I'm all about him and no, I'm all about him. And they were dividing them on what teachers they listened to and all kinds of different factions that were inside the church they were dividing upon. And they say, no, if you're gonna be different, then I have no need of you. And here's the one of the great sins of the Corinthian church that I think is a sin of the American church particularly, and that is the pull towards uniformity. Unity is not the same as uniformity. They are not the same thing, particularly inside the body of Christ. If I'm only around people who are this, like the same as me, then it's, we're not really unified. We just happen to all like the same things. That's uniformity. We demand if you're going to be a part of this, you're going to have this amount of income, or you're going to look like this, or your hair's going to look like this, or you're going to drive this kind of car, or you're going to listen to this kind of preacher, you're not going to listen to that kind of preacher, you're going to read this and, and not that, you're going to, whatever the background may be, oh, you like that kind of music, well, go find another church that likes that kind of music, because that's not what we do here. When we, when we do that, that's called uniformity, that is not unity, and that is not the picture of unity and diversity that's found in the body of Christ. But here's the challenge that happens. We can say that and we like it, but here's, here's the challenge. The challenge is when the ideal that exists in my head, what does it mean to be a part of the body of Christ, to be a part of the church, to be a part of God's family, when the ideal that exists in my head is different than the reality when we sit down with each other. When you like the music louder or harder, or with a little bit more soul. I'd love a little more soul, by the way. I don't have soul, but I love a little more soul. Or what, like, when you like these things that are different than me, and I don't, that's not what I pictured this looks like inside the book, because I was thinking we're just gonna get together and sing Kumbaya and always see this eye to eye together. Whenever that ideal doesn't match the reality, that's when the challenge comes in. And that's when we usually say, I don't need you. And you know how we do that? It's not usually those, I hear these stories and it makes my blood boil. It's not usually by pushing the different out from us, though that happens more often than I would like to admit. But it, like, not overtly pushing them out, but it happens more like 
quietly pushing them out. This, like, there's a culture in our midst, like, this is the way that we do things, and if you don't like that, then you can go to another church down the street. Or I show up, and I don't like the music that you're playing or the way that you guys do this or that, and I'm gonna go to another church down the street that does match me. And we all have 18 churches on the street that are all perfectly uniform, perfectly homogenous, and don't reflect the glory and beauty that is found in the diverse body of Christ. Diversity, this is also a Alani quote, diversity is a design feature, not a design bug. When I'm sitting in a community group with people who think differently than I do, who have a different background than I do, who vote differently than I do, who view life differently than I do, and I, that gets under my skin a little bit, that's not a bug, that's a design feature of the body of Christ. Here's a question for you to think about as we are gonna go into our community groups this week. Do you quickly and instinctively value the differences inside the body of Christ? Or is your instinct to push away from that? There's a pull towards uniformity that creates a challenge, but it's also a pull, a pull away from those who are different than me. And that's fueled oftentimes by both pride and envy. Uh, pride says, hey, I'm the I. This is what's important. You don't see that's important. You come from a different background. You do things differently than I do. That's really uncomfortable. You know what it's like to really be around people who are very different from you, from a different generation or a different culture or a different background? It's like, it's like trying to write with your other hand. If you're trying to do that, it just never feels right. And that's what it's like to sit down with somebody who comes from a different culture and background and generation from you because they view things inherently different than you do and it makes you uncomfortable. And I can look and say like, oh, I, okay, Boomer, the way that you do that, like, no, like, I'm better, you're lower. Oh, oh you, you like that kind of music, oh, you're lower. Or I look over on the eye and look over the hand and say, man, I know I can see, but look at his fingers and look at all the things that he can do. He can grasp things. I'm just sitting here. I can see things, but he's doing things. He can make things happen. I can never make things happen. I'm just looking around and seeing things and I'm envious of him. And I am so caught up in what I am not and, or with pride, what he is not, that I forget the role in the body is not to glorify me and make me comfortable, but to glorify Jesus Christ, who the body not only represents, but is the presence of in the world. Another thing that happens that causes division is the strong versus the weak. And this plays out in lots of different ways. And this is, can be subversive. It's almost never said out loud. It is just known. There are some believers who are just naturally stronger believers than others are. They seem to have their stuff more together and some people who just seem to always be a mess. 
And we create this sort of like Christian caste system where we slot people in according to how, how big a hot mess they are, where it's kind of where they fall quietly in the pecking order in the, in the body of Christ. But you know what this means? This means inside the body of Christ, there are differing levels of spiritual maturity. There are differing levels of theological acumen, and that's okay, that is all right, it's supposed to be that way. The people who, that you think are weak around you, that just like, would you just please get your stuff together? You're always asking for the same prayer request. You're always a mess. Just get your stuff together. They're supposed to be there driving you crazy because, you know what? Because compared to God, we are all weak and poor. None of us have our stuff together. And if you think you are, have it more together than somebody else, then you've that before Christ, we are all a hot mess. That apart from the cross, we are all doomed. Apart from the Spirit of God moving upon my soul, I have no hope and nothing going for me. I am an incredible mess. And I need the people around me who I think there are more. And you know what this passage is telling me? It says those pieces that are hot, the hot mess, actually God pours out more honor upon them. Because if you actually are as good as you think you are, which you're probably not, but if you are as good as you think you are and they're worse than you are, guess who gets to experience more of God's grace? The weak. It plays out in strong versus weak in all kinds of ways. Personality, salary, gifting. There's some that giftings are more vocal and more verbal and more prevalent. It plays out in the strong versus weak in ways that we don't understand oftentimes because the majority of us in this room are white. And we don't understand what it means like what it means to be in a room constantly where we are the minority. And the strong overcomes the weak instead of the strong doing what Jesus Christ did, and that is going down lower and bringing up the weak around us. I've heard people say, uh, people who are older, and if, man, if you are older, whatever the median age of this group is, thanks for being here. But I've heard people say who are older, man, I feel like a dinosaur walking around here. I'm just older than everybody else. I'm not sure if I have anything in common. Thank you for being here. And may we never take on a homogenous structure that pushes anybody out, that overcomes the weak, just because we're stronger in number. Here's what that means. That means as believers, we should individually and collectively, consistently be humbling ourselves to those who are around us and raising them up. Why? Because through Christ, God has raised me up. And here's the truth. I've said this before, if you are white, male, female, southern, northern, like heaven is not a white place speaking English. Heaven's a place where it's represented every nation, tribe, language, and tongue before God. And if you've ever ridden in the subway in New York City or Atlanta, 
and felt uncomfortable because you were in the minority because everybody around you spoke a different language or looked different than you did, then you might be uncomfortable in heaven. To be alive in the spirit means to be committed to, and be committed to Jesus means we'll be committed to the costly struggle to live out diversified unity. And, and that, that plays out in very practical ways. How, what does it look like? It means, it means, first of all, it means be involved with people who do not look like you. It may be that, and I'm not, this is no underhand, not anything agenda I'm pushing here, just, just a thing that just came to my head. It may be that some of our community groups need to be broken up or shuffled or changed so they better reflect the body of Christ at large. Or it means maybe that you need to do your work and find people who look and think and act differently than you do and push in and get involved with them in community. And whenever it gets hard, it means you press, it means you press in because it will get hard. It will get difficult. There'll be times that you don't understand them and you're not sure you wanna be around them, but it means that you press into them and here's what it means, because they're a member of the body of Christ, just as you are, that it means that you listen. That you listen to hear what God has to say to you through them. I promise you, you will never ever, if you get involved and press in and you listen, you will, I promise you this, you will never not, that's double negative, you will never not hear God speak to you through them. Take it to the bank and learn. Get involved, press in, listen, and learn. Look at this ending and we'll be done. last half of verse 24, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. Hear that? That there may be no division. Many parts, but no division. But the members may have the same care for one another. This is how deep our connection is to each other if one member suffers, verse 26. All suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. God is glorified in his body. God is glorified in his body as he showcases his nature and character through a multifaceted body of Christ, from many cultures, different generations, different backgrounds, different perspectives. It shows the glory of Jesus and that it shows uh, the unique ability and power of the cross to pull together those who are different. And it shows the glory of Jesus in that all the different parts, it's sort of like a crown. And you see, it, I've seen pictures of crowns. I've, I've, been in the Tower of London, saw the, the crown. It has all the different jewels. It's all different colors and types. When put together, it shows a greater beauty than they would alone. All the different facets, all the different colors, all the different things. That's the way the body is supposed to showcase the glory and beauty 
of Jesus Christ and a diversified unity and in him showing out from each of us differently his glory and his beauty and we enjoy and bask in that together. And here's the thing, that's what is truly compelling to those who do not know him that are outside of us. Jesus said, they will know that you're my disciples by what? By your love for one another. It's not love for people who are just like you. It is love for people who are radically different from you and from me, that they will know that you're my disciples. And that's what we want, that's what we want people to know, right? We want people to look in and see, look at Jesus. We can see him because the body of Christ doesn't just represent him, but actually is the actual presence of Christ in our community. And we can see it through this body. I pray that we would reflect that as a church. I pray that the body of Christ along the Grand Strand would reflect that. I pray we'd reflect it in the way that we view other churches and other backgrounds, the people who are of believers who are here. And I pray that the watching world would see it and it would I'd find it compelling, it would smell sweet to them. And the only way we can do it is that the one body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ is what unites us.